Hey, Lighthouse Niagara family, this is Pastor Joel Sloss. I hope that the message you received today blesses you so, so much. I'm going to dismiss the children ages 3 to uh, grade 6. Um, and I just want to say thank you for uh, all of those that are teaching faithfully and regularly. Uh, can we give our Sunday school teachers a, a hand this morning? Hallelujah. For those of you that are here for the first time, just welcome you here. Uh, I'm Pastor Dave, and um, it is good for you to be here. I pray that God will speak to you this morning. Uh, you are not here by chance. None of you are here by chance. Uh, and it's a good thing uh, that we can gather together, we can assemble together uh, and hear the word of the Lord and apply his word in our life. If you have your Bibles with you, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 9 from verse 35. I've read this verse or these verses uh, the last uh, few times that we've gathered together. Um, if you have missed our Wednesday night services, uh, uh, come or you can hear online. And uh, we're going through a series entitled Lord of the Harvest. And today... Uh, I just want to speak of the generation of the righteous, the generation of the righteous. And I just, I thank God um, that in the end, it is up to us, it is up to us uh, where we stand before the Lord. In the end, we have, we have a choice and that we would be that generation of the righteous. Hallelujah. So Matthew 9 from verse 35, and in this series entitled Lord of the Harvest, uh, we see that the heart of Jesus is made known to us, and it says that Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Praise God. His heart was that all would be a part of the kingdom of God, the good news of the kingdom, his kingdom. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. We have an illustration here, recognizing that the harvest is great. Last week, I mentioned that the earth's population is over 8 billion people, and it is rising uh, around, uh, oh, I don't know, probably 150 uh, thousand every single day, the population increases, and uh, there is a great harvest. We're not talking about anything else but the harvest of souls. You have come into the kingdom of God. You have experienced life in and through Jesus Christ as you've placed your faith in him, that others would have that opportunity as well, that others would come to know Jesus. Jesus is 
the Lord of the harvest. Will I heed the Lord of the harvest? Even as we would pray, Lord, as he said, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest, that we would be those that would go out, that we'd say, yes, Lord, I am a laborer in your harvest. I am one that has the same heart that you have as, you, as we see the multitudes, as we see those that are in front of us, whoever it may be, that doesn't know the Lord, that we would be moved with compassion for them. That we would be moved with compassion to see them come to Jesus. Hallelujah. Will I heed the Lord of the harvest? Will, will I go? Where do I stand? Where do we stand before the Lord? So this generation, the generation of the righteous, where are we? Godless, unrighteous, or righteous? And there is a, a necessity for us as believers or as those that would say, hey, I'm a, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, that there would be nothing that would hinder, there would be nothing that would hold back, that our faith would be precious before him. His laborers, the generation of the righteous. In Psalms 14, I'm going to be referring to Psalms 14 and a little bit to Psalm 53. And uh, in this short chapter, there's a comparing between the righteous and the unrighteous. And we see this in this chapter, in this psalm, in this song of David. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none who does good. What a way to start off a song. You wonder what kind of melody that has. But there's this very clear message that is saying, the one that says there is no, there is no God is a fool. Is a fool. There's, they are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none who does good. I just want to jump to Romans chapter 1, verse 18. Talking about those that basically say there is no God. And what happens as a result. It says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So God's wrath is poured out or would be poured out on those that are unrighteous and ungodly. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. 
For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they, may, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible men or man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. And so there's a denying of God and there's this making of idols. There's a making of something before God. My, this is my God. This is the God that I serve. It is not the God that is above all gods. It's the God that we, we fashion in our, our own mind and thinking. That we would recognize who God is. That we would not fashion or make an image of God even within our own minds and say, well, this is who God is. God is a, a, a good God. God loves me. And he does. But God is a righteous God. He is a holy God as well. And that he, as he is holy, that we also would be holy before him. And for those that deny God, it says, therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than, cre than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. And so there's a, a shifting and a moving away from God. And God gives them over. I'll tell you, there has been a giving over to the lust of their hearts. To dishonor their bodies amongst themselves. And we see this blatantly in our day and age. We are seeing this in front of our eyes. We see this thing of uncleanness and a shifting to the lust of the heart. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. We see a generation. We see this, this turning where there's a darkness, there's an unrighteousness. I, I'm amazed at how much has changed just in a few years. What is blatant just in the last few years says, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. Listen, this is written 2,000 years ago. Every generation has a choice. Every single person has a choice in their generation. This is not, there is nothing new under the sun. And this was then 2,000 years ago, and it is today. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. Being fit, filled with all unrighteousness, 
This is the first thing that's mentioned, this thing of unrighteousness. Sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. Evil they are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to, to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. There's an approving of these things by others. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. I will, not, I will not acknowledge God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek God. Now, I just want to say to this, this generation that is unrighteous, that there's a, a possibility. There is still, as they have breath, there is still the opportunity for them to turn to the Lord. There is still an opportunity for them to get to a place of righteousness. How many of you are thankful that the Lord took you out of the miry clay? Praise God. Hallelujah. We just, I just thank the Lord that He has taken us from a place of darkness and he has put us into his marvelous light. I thank God that he has taken us from bondage and he's given us freedom. I thank God that he has poured out his love to us. And while we were yet sinners, that Jesus died for us. The Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who would understand, who seek God. That we that are his children... We'd not just be the children of men, but that we would be and recognize as believers we are the children of God, that we would seek God, that we would desire. When you're looking for something, I don't know, there's, I, it seems like as I get a little bit older, uh, there's times where I, I put something down and it's like, where did I put my keys? Seem like, it seems like that's happening a little bit more frequently. And sometimes I put things in a place that I know this is a really good place to put it because then I, I, I'll know exactly where it is and, and I can get it very quickly and easily. Once again, these things are happening more frequently. Is Where is that good place that I put this item? I don't know. And there's this thing then of seeking. I've got, look, sometimes the other, it was this last week, I'm just trying to remember what I was looking for. <laughs> I believe it was my keys. I think it was my keys. And I must have searched for about an hour. And, and sometimes it's, it's not just uh, yourself, but it's like, hey, Julie, you know, check, can you check this place? Is it in the vehicle? Are my keys in the vehicle? And you sort of, you, you're, you're getting others to say, hey, can you help me in this search? Because it's important. You know, my keys are important. 
that those things that we seek after, we, we look diligently until we find them. The more of more importance that it is to you, you recognize, I need to have that thing. I need to get it. That God would be important to us as he looks down on the children of men, as he looks down on his own children. That there's a heart and a desire. I want to come into the presence of God. I want to. I am seeking God. I desire to be near to Him. So often we are caught up with ourselves and the things of life. I get it. I understand it. We get sidetracked. We're, we're here. We're there. We're everywhere. And the things of the Lord become secondary. The things of even meeting with Him or being still before God become secondary. And life goes by so quickly from one week to the next. And how much time have we come before the Lord? How much time have we sought the Lord? Folks, as we see the coming of the Lord, listen, the Lord is coming soon. And I know you say, Pastor, I know you've been talking about this. and You remind us regularly. Listen. If it was soon 15 years ago, how much sooner is it now? That we would not be foolish. That we would not be sidetracked by the things of this world, by the things of our own desires, perhaps. And I'm saying, not saying that it's bad, but that we would have time for the Lord. That we would make time for the Lord to seek because... The Lord is most important to us, just like my keys. I'm going to look. I'm going to put everything aside until I find those keys. This morning, I'm driving, and I'm holding on a steering wheel, and it's like, oh, I forgot my ring. I forgot to put on my ring. Thank God I know exactly where it is. <laughs> I know exactly where my ring is because it's precious to me. I, I wouldn't want to to lose this ring. And even as I was driving, I was thinking, oh man, I should turn around and go back. Get my ring. Because it's a, a symbol of the love that I have for my wife. Our love together is endless. It's important that I would be seeking after God. He is seeking for us. He's seeking, is, is there anyone that understands? Is there anyone that understands my ways? Is there anyone that understands my love for them? Even for a godless, sinful, oppositional people. Those that would know the Lord. That we would come to Him is there anyone who understands, who seek the God? We would seek God. Where do I stand? Where do we stand? Do we seek God or not? Are the things of the Lord important or not? Where do I stand before a holy God? Is my faith in my righteousness or in his righteousness? And Psalm 14 continues, they have all turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is none who does good. No, not one. Have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge who eat up my people as they eat bread? 
and do not call on the Lord. I was just talking to somebody yesterday, and uh, I mentioned a, a few pastors in uh, just in the last few years that were incarcerated because they stood up against some things. And uh, apparently there's a, a continuation of, of this um, incarceration. This eating up, this eating up of those that are children of God, workers of iniquity with no, not, with no knowledge who eat up my people as they eat bread and who do not call on the Lord. And yet, the Lord is saying, I love those people. I love those and died for those that were sinful. I died for the, those that are of iniquity. And I desire to see them that are corrupt and are wicked and evil have their sins forgiven. In Romans chapter 5, I mentioned this last Sunday, these different levels that are against God, the ungodly, those that are trying to do the best that they can, but they're still ungodly, just can't make it. Those that are sinners, and they sin. They're not even trying to be good. They just sin. But then it talks about those that are enemies of God that are blatantly, knowingly opposed to the things of God. And we see a larger and larger amount of this blatant opposition to God. And yet God in his heart says, I desire that they would be reconciled with me. His heart yet is for reconciliation. Verse 5, Psalm 14, verse 5, it says, There they are in great fear, for God is with the generation of the righteous. Those that are unrighteous, there will be a point where there is fear. God is with the generation of the righteous. We are righteous, not because of how good we are. We are righteous only in his righteousness. You shame the counsel of the poor, but the Lord is his refuge. Once again, speaking of the unrighteous, but the Lord is our refuge. Oh, that the salvation of Israel would come out of Zion. When the Lord brings back the captivity of his people, let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. that his children would come back to him, that he would hold them close. Hallelujah. This passage in Psalms 14 is almost word for word the same in Psalm 53. And this is talking about what is yet to come. The Jews, and I've mentioned this, the, Jew, the, the, the Jewish nation, 
for the most part, has rejected Jesus and for the most part are not believers. They don't believe. The Jewish people that are on the face of this planet today do not believe in Jesus Christ. And yet there is a day coming where they will be saved in one hour. And this passage talks also about this, this thing of Jacob rejoicing and Israel being glad. Talks about in one day them coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ. That it is coming, it will be on, the, on that day when the Lord Jesus comes back with all the saints, with us, to reign here for a thousand years. There is much that needs to be done before that coming and that return. There's much that needs to be done even before the trumpet of the Lord sounds. What about the unrighteous now? Can they be saved? When you think about it, we were unrighteous. There was a point in our life where we were unrighteous. And because of hearing the gospel and believing in Jesus Christ, we were made righteous. As you look at yourself, you recognize there is hope for the unrighteous and that we as a generation of the righteous would go out and see that others that don't know the Lord would become those that do know the Lord. The Lord desires for us to be his laborers, laborers in his harvest. He desires for us to see others saved. You have people that are in your life. You have perhaps children, or maybe you have parents. Maybe you have brothers or sisters. Maybe you have relatives that don't know the Lord. Can you imagine them coming to know Jesus Christ? In fact, I know your heart is, Lord, let my children be saved. Or, Lord, let my parents be saved. Let my brother, let my sister come to know Jesus before your return. And your heart is crying out to God, Lord, let there be salvation that would come to them. We would be the generation of the righteous. And the righteous are those that would say, I'm going to be obedient to the Lord of the harvest. That he would send me into the harvest to bring in a harvest. The difference between Psalm 14 and Psalm 53 is basically one verse, just one verse. The rest of those verses are identical. But verse 5 in Psalm 53 says, in, in Psalm 14, it, it, verse 5 says, There they are in great fear. And Psalm 53 starts the same way. There they are in great fear, where no fear was. For God has scattered the bones of him who encamps against you. You have put them to shame because God has despised them. And we see 
the impact or the effect of those that say, I choose to stand apart from God. I choose not to believe in Jesus Christ. There's no fear of God. Where there, or there is a fear of God where there was no fear. There's a recognition that God is who he said he is and he is who he is. Jesus is who he said he was. He is the son of God. But there's a scattering of the bones of him who encamps against you. You have put them to shame because God has despised them. That there would be a harvest that comes in of the unrighteous yet before this takes place. Some of this, when you read through the Psalms, you, you, you see that some of it is for us in the moment. And we can grab a hold of these things. Other things are, are meant to, to be for the individual, in this case, whether it's David or who he's speaking of. And then there's other parts that are prophetic that are still to be. And we see that oftentimes in many of the Psalms that we can say, I can relate to this and I'm going to grab a hold of this. And that we would recognize where those that we may love will end up if they don't come to know the Lord. That we would bring to them the good news of Jesus Christ. The fate of the unrighteous. Fear where there was no fear originally. Scattered bones put to shame and despised. There is a day coming because of of a lack of faith and a, a just they, they're choosing not to, to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. They will be apart from God by their choice. Being righteous today, being righteous before him in this wicked generation. We go back very early on in Genesis Chapter 7, verse 1. You know the story of Noah. And the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. It was a wicked, wicked generation. And this generation that we are living in is, the, is just as bad, if not worse, than the generation that lived in Noah's time. Just as wicked. And the Lord is coming back because judgment is coming. And there is a terrible thing that will be ahead of us or ahead of those that are unrighteous. And that is coming. But the Lord is saying, I want to catch you up. I want to take you, you and your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. In Luke chapter 17, verse 20, the Lord talks about it to the Pharisees. And they were asking, Lord, when will the kingdom of God come? And he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. You can't see it with your eyes, necessarily. 
nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. Romans 14, 17 says, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. It's not a physical kingdom where you eat and drink and, hey, I'm in the kingdom of God and there's, I, I'm, things are well for me physically, necessarily. But the kingdom of God is much greater than that. It is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Aren't you glad this morning that you are part of the kingdom of God? Hallelujah. It is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. I just say thank you, Lord, for the salvation that you have wrought for me. And I thank you that I am part of the kingdom of God. As I responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ, as I responded to Jesus, even as he came 2,000 years ago, and he began to preach the gospel of the kingdom of God, saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. It is here. Repent and believe in the gospel. He's saying repent and believe in me and what I will do for you. I have died. I've died for you. When he said this in Mark chapter 1, he was just beginning his ministry, was already prophetically indicating what he would do, he would go to the cross. Hallelujah. Repent and believe in the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ and what he did for us so that we could have life. That is where, that is why the Lord says the kingdom is not observable as a, a, a kingdom of man that has castles and territories and whatever, but it is in our heart. No one can take it from us. Hallelujah. So in Luke 17, he said to his disciples, this is verse 22, the days will come when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man and you will not see it when I was with you. And they will say to you, look here or look there. Do not go after them or follow them. For as the lightning that flashes out of one part under heaven shines to the other part under heaven, so also the Son of Man will be in his day. But first he, the Son of Man, must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation, the generation during the time of Jesus, rejected Jesus. And Jesus went to the cross and he suffered on that cross. The greatest thing that he did when he went to the cross is that he took your sin and my sin on the cross. He took your sin and my sin, all of our sins, he suffered for us physically so that we could have healing. But he died for us so that we could have life as we believe in him, that his righteousness is put upon us by faith. I read this passage a number of times just in this past year, Romans 3.21. And we're talking about being righteous before him in this wicked generation. It's not by how good you can be. We cannot be good enough in our own righteousness and do all the right things. We're just not good enough. If my faith is in myself, I will never make it because I am not good enough. And you know that. 
You know that about me, about my, the flaws that I may have. You know that about yourself. You know that the, hard, the harder you try, it seems like I just cannot be righteous enough. That your faith would not be in yourself, but the righteousness of God is revealed in Jesus Christ. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. The law was all about these are the things you must do or not do. And the righteousness of God is apart from the law. It is, it is revealed. Apart from the law is re revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. The law and the prophets were pointing to something other than the law. They were pointing to someone. Even the righteousness of God, they were pointing to the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ, to all and on all, to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But here the righteousness of God is revealed, and we are justified, being justified, made right in God's sight, freely, by His grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, through what he did for us. He bought you and he bought me and our redemption, that we can be in right standing, we can have life before God Almighty, whom God set forth, Jesus Christ, as a propitiation by his blood. This was the key, this was the way, through the blood of Jesus Christ, his sacrifice, his death on the cross, and that through faith, to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, in his patience, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. I'm telling you, he's talking to us personally at this point that if we believe in Jesus Christ, he looks over the sins that were previously committed and we are in right standing before God to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Praise God for our faith. How simple it is. My faith is not in myself. My faith is not in my, our church. There are people, there's entire denominations who say, well, I belong to the church. And so my faith is in the church. My faith is in those that are in leadership over the church. That's what my faith is in. Man. That our faith would not be in anything else but in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Luke 17, verse 26 and as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man when the Lord comes back. Now this, this passage here, a lot of times we think, well, this is talking about the rapture, the catching up of the saints. Because Jesus is coming. He will not come to this earth or have his feet planting, planted on the earth the or when he comes, when the trumpet sounds. It says when he left, the, the angel said, you know, to those that were looking up as he ascended off this planet and as he was going up and they were watching until they couldn't see him anymore. 
The angel said, well, how come you, you stand gazing up? He said, the way that he, that he left, he will come back in the clouds. And when he comes back in the clouds, it says, those that are dead in Christ will arise, and we who believe will be caught up to be with the Lord in the, in the twinkling of an eye. That day hasn't happened yet, but that day is coming is soon. And that our heart would be, Lord, not just that I'm ready, but those that don't know you, that I know especially, that they would be ready for your coming. So as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. I'll tell you, they were casual. They did not know what was coming. In the days of Noah, they did not know. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that, no, the, that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Just life carries on. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on a day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so, it will be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. So this passage is not just talking about or would be when the Lord comes back to catch us up. But it's also at the end of those seven years of tribulation as we read in Revelations chapter 6 through 19. It is when he comes back, chapter 19, we will be with him. And for the, the, the Jews that are still here that have rejected him, they're going to go through this period of time, especially the Jews and every unbeliever that missed that trumpet call. It says, in that day, he who is on the housetop and the goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. So there's going to be a decision being made. Don't try, don't try to get away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Say, well, I, I'm going to, I, I got to get out of here. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you, in that night there will be two men in one bed. The one will be taken, the other one will be left. Two women will be grinding together. The one will be taken and the other left. Two men will be in the field. The one will be taken, the other left. And they answered and said to him, where, Lord? So he said to them, wherever the body is, there the eagles will be gathered together. And this reference is especially to that battle that will take place. Should the Lord, the trumpet sound today, he is coming back to establish his kingdom here on earth in seven years. In seven years after the trumpet sounds. So, I just, I want to conclude regarding righteousness and unrighteousness. You can't stand in the middle. So I'm, well, a little bit of righteousness, a little bit of unrighteousness. You cannot stand in the middle. Either I'm going to be righteous or if I'm in the middle, I'm already in the camp of the unrighteous. And the Lord is his heart. I thank God for the heart of God that always warns. There is always a warning because he loves, because his heart is repent. And we see that to the church 
of the Laodiceans. In Revelations 3, verse 14, it says, To the angel, to the pastor of the church of the Laodiceans, write, These things says the Amen. So be it. The faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. We're talking about Jesus Christ here. So this is what Jesus, our Lord, says. I know your works. And he's saying this to the lukewarm church. Seven churches mentioned. This is the last church that's mentioned in Revelations 2 and 3. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. So you're, you're standing in the middle. I will vomit you out of my mouth because you say I am rich. I have become wealthy and I have need of nothing. And do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Listen, folks that you would not be standing in the middle as the Holy Spirit has convicted you. This conviction is the best thing in the world. Conviction says this thing right here is not right. This thing right here is not right. And there's things pointed out in your life by the Holy Spirit saying, change these things. Do not practice these things. Let go of these things. Now, some of you might say, Pastor, what about... If I slip and fall, you know what? I love the heart of those that are saying, you know what? I don't want to sin. Now, I recognize there might be a slipping and falling, but it's different. And I've said this a number of times over the course of this last year. You cannot be practicing sin. A practice of sin is, well, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and do it. And I don't really don't care. I'm going to continue to practice. Listen, we need to get to a place of being right before the Lord. That we would let go of those sins that so easily beset us. In this race of life. And it is a, it is a race of faith. Listen to what it says in verse 18. Revelations 3.18. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich. Now, we know, in fact, I, there's this push at this point because banks are failing and whatever, and there's this push. You know what? You need to invest and uh, get gold. Purchase gold. Get gold. Shift because the value of a dollar can go in one day. Apparently, in, uh, during World War II, people were, their, their money was worth nothing. And so they were, you know, coming to just to get a, a, some bread. And they had bags full of money that would, they could have bought truckloads of bread. And they were just looking for one loaf of bread. Gold is one of the most valuable things I'm not saying to you to go out and purchase gold. But what I am saying to you, what is more precious than gold? Because gold, it says here, gold refined in the fire that you may be rich. Buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich. There's a mention of something that is more precious than gold that is refined. In 1 Peter 1, verse 6, it says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. I think 
some of us, many of us, many of you as well, we, we are at a place where we're saying, man, I am being shaken or there's, there's trials that are coming against me. And we're grieved by these various trials. But it says that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it, it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What is being tested? The genuineness of your faith. Is your faith genuine? Is your faith, you say, yeah, I'm a Christian. Is that reality? Or I'm just playing games. I'm just going through the motions. Yeah, I'm a Christian. There's going to be a testing. In fact, when we go through trials, there's a testing of our faith. Because our faith is more precious than gold that perishes. Even if it is, even as our faith is tested in fire. Even gold that is tested in fire, very precious. But our faith is way more precious than gold. That it may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ when he comes back. Whom having not seen you love. Lord, I love you above all. I'm going to seek you. I will seek you. Though not, now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. It says in Revelation that we should buy from him. We should buy from him gold refined in the fire that you may be rich. Faith. The things that we <clears throat> place our faith in, when it comes to buying from the Lord, what do we use to buy from the Lord? You're going to buy from the Lord gold. You take the things that are most precious to you on this side of heaven. Take that, whatever it may be, whether it's a person, whether it's a, a career, whether it's a goal that is, you know, hey, this is not of God. Things that are apart from God <coughs> and use those things and trade them in. Buy from the Lord. It says, looking on to Jesus. Actually, Hebrew 12, verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So this endurance run, this race of life that is set before us, there's weights that would weigh us down to slow us down. There's sins that would easily ensnare us to trip us up and to say, don't finish the race. Lord, I'm letting go of these things. Here, I'm giving them to you. I'm looking to you, the author and finisher of our faith. I'm coming to you. Lord, let me have faith in you because you died for me. You endured. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. What joy? The joy was for every single person that would believe on him and what he did for us on the cross, even as we would believe on, on his finished work on the cross, we have, he is joyful in the fact that you have come, that we have come to know him as Savior and Lord in our life.
And it, the Lord rejoices, the Father rejoices, the Spirit of God rejoices for every sinner that comes to know Jesus Christ. You who have come to the Lord, there's a rejoicing in all heaven for even just one soul that is saved, for you who are saved. He despised the shame and he has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I'm going to call the worship team if they would just come as we close. So going back to Revelations chapter 3, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich, verse 18, and it continues on what else? And white garments, white garments, we only, it says those, as we come back with the Lord in this battle, it says we're all dressed in white robes of righteousness. We are dressed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So in white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. In a few verses before that, it was you think you're rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing, but you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. And here the Lord, he is saying, I want to take care of everything of this lukewarm church that is, is straddling the fence. That we would not straddle the fence, that we would not practice sin, that we would not just go through this, this life casually like those that did in the day of Noah. The Lord wants to cover our shame and anoint our eyes with eye salve that, that we may see. We may see what is of the Lord, what is not. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. This verse is to, to the church that thought they were okay. And the Lord was not even in the church anymore, and he's knocking, trying to get in. You may be at that place where it's like, I think everything is okay. Everything is good. I'm just doing my own thing. Say, where is the Lord? Is he in my heart? Is he in my life? Am I seeking the things of the Lord? Am I that laborer in the harvest? Am I desiring to see my spouse saved, my husband, my wife, my children, my parents? Am I desiring to see them come to the Lord? The Lord is saying, I am the Lord of the harvest. I desire to see even your loved ones get saved. Lord, use me. Lord, use me. Can we stand together? In verse 21, it says, To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on the throne, on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my Father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The Lord God desires for us to sit on the throne with him, to do the work that still needs to be done. The throne is a place of, of decrees, things being decreed to be done, to be orchestrated. And the Lord is saying, I want you to be a part of the work that I still have to do, that you would be the generation of the righteous, that we would hear his voice, that we would sit with the Lord. The Lord overcame death, and the Lord desires for us to overcome even as we are crucified with him. 
as we say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Lord, let your will be done. For God is with the generation of the righteous. Are you the generation? Are you that generation? A generation of the righteous? In his righteousness, Lord, my faith is in you. My faith is in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is with the generation of the righteous. Lord, my righteousness is in you. Let's just, let's just pray. This, mor this morning, before the service started, I had someone come up to me and just say, man, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I desire not just a measure of the Spirit in my life, but I desire an overflow of the Spirit in my life. His Spirit flowing through us. His Spirit flowing through us. An overflow. Rivers of living water flowing from us. We would not just be that generation that is, is doing their own thing, but we would be that generation of righteousness say, Lord, your will be done. And the Lord is saying, I want to be with you right to the end of the age, to accomplish the work that, that you I have for you. Because my heart is to see souls saved. He had compassion on the multitudes as he saw them. And so this morning, if there's anybody here that doesn't know the Lord, or maybe you've walked away from the Lord, that you would just, that we could just, come before the Lord at this point. You would just cry out to the Lord that there would be a confession. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. You would confess, Jesus, I'm a sinner. But that you would also believe in your heart that Jesus died for you and he was buried and he rose again. You, your, conf your confession and your faith would be in Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross for you. You would say, yes, Lord. I'm not just going through the motions. I'm not just standing in my own righteousness because I know my righteousness is like filthy rags. As good as I can be, I am not good enough. And Lord, my righteousness is in you. Jesus, it comes by faith. And I believe that you died for me. You were the propitiation. You were the sacrifice for me. Lord, I confess that and I believe that. My faith is not in anybody it's not in myself, it's in not, not in my good works. But my faith is in you, Jesus, and what you did for me on the cross. Lord, I pray for those that you are convicting at this time. Lord, those that are struggling. They're struggling because they are their faith is in their self to try to overcome temptation to try to overcome Satan, to try to overcome sin in their life and the power of sin. Lord, it is not by our righteousness. It is by the righteousness, your righteousness in us, Lord. And Lord, so I pray that there will be a shifting of faith at this time. Lord, let there be a shift of faith from self and self-righteousness 
Lord, to your righteousness, your death on the cross for us. Lord, we pray, let there be a shift this morning. Lord, that it would shift from the church. I belong to a certain church, so I'm saved. Let it shift from I do certain things, so I'm saved. Lord, that there would be a shift of our faith to you and what you have done for us on the cross. That would be where our heart is at, and that would be our confession. Because, Lord, even as our faith is there, we can overcome Satan. We overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Our testimony is this. My faith is in you, Jesus, the, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, King of kings and Lord of lords. My faith and my confession is in you and what you have done for me. It is not in myself. It is not in anything else but you and what you have done for me on that cross 2,000 years ago because you loved me and you died for me. So if you're not in the right place, finally, you would confess and believe and declare, Jesus, come into my life. Be Lord in my life. Be Lord in my life. Let your will be done in me. Because you are with the generation of the righteous and my righteousness is in you. And Lord, you will be with me because you are in me. And Lord, there will be a flow from me of life. So Lord, don't just fill us with your spirit, but that there would be a flow from us continually of your spirit, of, of life. Jesus, you are the one that baptizes in the Holy Spirit. You are the one that baptizes with power so that we can go out and be witnesses for you. Hallelujah. Lord, let us go out and be witnesses unto you and bring in a harvest yet. The unrighteous, the ungodly, those that are even enemies of yours will come to know you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, let it be. Hallelujah. Shaharasia. Ora sahakota lalaha sondoro makasia. Jesus, that you would be glorified. You would be glorified in my life, that you would be exalted. Jesus. Te halanamoya, rahasi kahasi, romahoika, lashakasi andaramakosondoreo. Lord, that I would do your will. I would submit to your lordship. That I would accomplish your will in these last days. You are the Lord of the harvest. Send us out, Lord, in your power. I give you praise and glory and honor. Hallelujah. 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 I just pray, Lord, that we would be surrendered to you. That you would be, that each one of us would be a living sacrifice, a reasonable service unto him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can we just begin to praise the Lord and thank him for salvation? Thank Him for your salvation. Thank Him that you are able to stand before God because of His righteousness that is in you. You are a righteous generation. The Lord is with a righteous, the righteous generation because you are righteous in His righteousness. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We bless your name. We bless your name. We bless your name, Lord God. Lord, that our lives will bring your name praise. That our lives would bring your name an exalting, a glorifying. Lord, a magnifying. Lord, that you would be exalted in, in us, Lord Jesus. That others will see you in us, Lord. Lord, that there would be rivers of living water flowing from us, bringing life to those that don't have it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 We have opportunity to gather together. If you want to still come to the altar, come. Let's worship Him. Let's exalt Him together. Let's glorify Him together. We are righteous. We are a generation of the righteous. And God is with the generation of the righteous. We would come and we would glorify Him. Thank You, Lord. You are with us. Lord, You're not on the outside. You are with us. You are within us. Lord, let there be an overflow of Your righteousness from us, Your Spirit from us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That this place would be an altar before the Lord. This sanctuary would be an altar before the Lord. And if you still want to come and lift them up, even at the front here, feel free as we glorify Him. Hey, Lighthouse family. Thanks so much for tuning in to another one of our podcast sermons. I'm Pastor Joel Sloss. For more podcasts, media, and live stream services at lighthouseniagara.com, Sundays at 10 o'clock. God bless.